Lord to Zechariah chapter 9 verse 11. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 11. I'm going to sh uh, share various verses today because we're going to talk a couple of minutes about the law of restoration. And then after we find Zechariah chapter 9, we're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah chapter 5. So today you're going to have to have your pens. Pens and pencils and paper because I'm going to share various verses as we discuss the law of restoration. When we consider restoration, restoration is the act of returning something back to its original owner. There are other um, definitions of restoration, but that's the primary one I want to focus on today. The act of returning something back to its original owner. The word of the Lord reads as follows in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. Notice he doesn't restore the same. He restores more. Now let's go a moment to Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 9, and we'll read till about verses, verse 12. Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. Nehemiah. Yeah, that's, that's the one just before, uh, Jeremiah, uh, just before um, Genesis. Oh, you got it, huh? You woke up? All right. It's an Old Testament. Well, you know, if you don't have it, we can... I'll read it to you anyway. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 9 through 12. And this is Nehemiah confronting the leaders because during that time they were lending money and resources to people that were at war, defending the wall, building the wall. And they were, unfortunately, charging them a certain amount or rather giving them, lending them a certain amount and then charging them high interest. Scripture calls that usury. So here we have fathers and sons fighting a war for the land and you have the business people exacting usury from them. So Nehemiah, a righteous leader, challenged them on that. And he said this, so I continued, what you're doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God? and avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies. Notice, he says, shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God? <laughs> in other words, there's something about fearing God, honoring God, and how you treat others. With money, with resources. And so, he said this, he says, I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain. But let the exacting of usury stop. In other words, stop, char stop charging them interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, their houses, and also the usury that you are charging them, the hundredth part of the money, grain, new wine, and oil. So the guys that were doing that says, we will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. So we see in Scripture how, how God believes in restoration. And he, he doesn't believe in just getting you back what was taken from you. He believes that you should get more. Amen. There's a certain type of justice that goes 
on with people uh, who uh, utilize usury or very high forms of interest or just trying to uh, take something away from us that legitimately belongs to us. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I also thank you for your heart and for the laws that are in Scripture. And I pray today that you would uh, grant us insight and wisdom, knowledge, and faith concerning this very important topic because even as we look at our family, we look at our history, uh, many times there have been systems, situations, people, the enemy of our souls that have come in and taken away that which belonged to our families, that which belonged to our inheritance, that which belonged to our legacy. So Father, I pray, O oh God, teach us this principle. And I thank you that you restore the things that the enemy has taken away from us. You restore the things that the locust has taken, that the locusts have eaten away. I thank you, Father, because even though we might not realize how much has been taken away from us, you do. You are aware of it. And you will make sure that it, it, that it is restored back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, Lord God. Father, thank you for your kindness, your love, and your divine provision. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 30, the Proverbist, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this, People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet, when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. See, so not only does he have to return what he took away, he has to restore it sevenfold. Wow, that is pretty hefty. So if he stole $100, he's got to give back $700. Man, that's, that's pretty high price to pay. But the bottom line is, is that it's wrong. It's wrong to steal what belongs to another person. And, and God is a God of justice. In, his, in Exodus 22, Moses is teaching his people based on the law of God. He says, a thief who is caught must pay in full for everything that was stolen. If payment is not made, the thief must be sold as a slave to pay the debt. If someone steals an ox or a donkey or a sheep and it is recovered alive, then the thief must pay double the value. So you see, it's not acceptable. This is not acceptable behavior. But yet, if we look at our, our lives, if we look at our, our, our lineage, if we look at our history many times, things are taken away from us. Here in this nation, uh, there, there are those that are fighting right now uh, for better wages or for whatever it may be. They feel they were ripped off. But when there is a true ripoff, God gets involved on the scene. And, and I would even venture to say that some of us here, or maybe all of us, have been ripped off of stuff. And this is stuff that, that belongs to our legacy. It's stuff that belongs to our children, our, our children's children, uh, our natural and spiritual children. We're building here not just... Uh, so that, that we would be cool or, or influential. We're building for a future generation. But meanwhile, every week we still have to pay our bills. We, we still have to provide. Um, we probably know somebody that has lost a home. because Not because they couldn't pay the original loan, but because the loan and high interest plus penalty plus hidden fees plus this and plus that you know, compounded to a point that they could no longer afford, afford it. Or they lost their job because of downsizing or right-sizing, whatever it may be. Well, I just want to let you know that there is a law of restoration in Scripture. Whatever you lost, God can help you redeem it, restore it. 
He's in the business of restoring stuff back to us. The highest thing that he wants to restore to us is our relationship with him, our sonship, and of course daughtership for those of you who are daughters here today. There are things that the enemy tries to take away from our relationship with God, but God wants to restore that authority, that, that influence, that, 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 that conversation. Amen. And I'm excited about that because since my heavenly father is concerned about that, he's active in that, he dispatches angels constantly so that that can be uh, brought back to that restoration. The restoration in some cases means bringing back to its original place, its original creation. You know, in Adam, uh, in, in Genesis, there was that relationship with God. There was that open communication with God. And God wants to get us back to that place where we can openly communicate with Him. We can have that relationship where we know His heart. We hear His heart. We know His word. And we walk on this earth in confidence, knowing that He's with us, that He is for us. Hallelujah. And we're walking this thing not alone. We're walking with Him. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look where this goes. Leviticus chapter 6. I'm reading to the verses. You could be aware of it. I just don't want to say it in some cases. I want to actually read it to you. Do you see how, how serious this is? Leviticus chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. And the Lord said to Moses, Suppose some of the people sin against the Lord by falsely telling their neighbor that an item entrusted to their safekeeping has been lost or stolen. Or suppose they have been dishonest with regards to a security deposit, or they have taken something by theft or extortion. Suppose they find a lost item and they lie about it, or they deny something while under oath, or they commit any other similar sin. If they have sinned in any of these ways and are guilty, they must give back whatever they have taken by theft or extortion, whether a security deposit, whether a property entrusted to them, or a lost object that they claimed as their own, anything gained by swearing falsely. When they realize they, their guilt, they must restore the principal amount plus a penalty of 20% to the person that they have harmed. They must then bring a guilt offering to the priest who will present it before the Lord. This offering must be a ram with no physical defects or the animal's equivalent value in silver. The priest will then make atonement for them before the Lord and they will be forgiven. <laughs> Tell me, that's serious. 20%. You want to steal? You want to lie? You want to extort? God holds and held them accountable. Either, either uh, give a ram as, as a uh, sacrifice or the equivalent in silver. Now, sil what's silver to you and me? Isn't it some, it's an expensive commodity. An expensive commodity. In Isaiah 61, verse 7 and 8. It says, instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. So they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery. I hate iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. See, God hates what has been done to you. God hates what has been done to those that are robbed, that are extorted. He does not appreciate that in the least. And he will handle that. Some people think they're getting away with it. They're not getting away with it. They will pay the price. And it will be a very steep price. You see? But we as God's children, as God's people, in covenant with Almighty God, need to be at peace today. That if we've lost something, we really haven't lost it. Because it will be restored to us. Amen. 
sooner or later. So say tiene, but it'll be restored. And again, God's not thinking just temp temp uh, temporally. He's thinking eternally. He's thinking about your children and grandchildren also. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I said this a couple of months ago, but I just want to quickly repeat it for those of you that might not have been here. You know, in the 80s, my, my dad, he, he had a, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I don't know. Uh, he had a, 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 what he believed was something that was not out in the market. And for the first time in his life, he dared to try something different. He says, son, I believe that if you take an oven, a, a, a mobile little oven or, or a piece of metal and you heat it up, and then you put a piece of metal on the top and heat that up also, and you put it together, and in Spanish he calls it lo plancha. If you iron it, if you put one on top of the other, the meat will cook more quickly. I said, Dad, that sounds good. I, there's nothing out in the market like that. So he asked me to draw it. So I drew it for him. So I, I, I took, you know, basics of drawing, stuff like that. So I was able to draw it. We brought it to the idea people in the Pan Am building, which is the MetLife building today. And we sat down with them. They looked at it. And they said, this, this thing will fly. There's nothing like this in the market. And so my dad gave all that he had at that time, all the cash he had, he gave it to them. They told him that if, they go in, if he goes into contract with them, he'll get a certain percentage and they'll get a certain percentage. And of course, we're fine. We can't afford the whole thing. We can't afford the patenting process and the whole thing. So they spoke about patenting that for my dad. And a couple of weeks later, we saw on TV that the idea people had left. They took all the ideas. All the offices were closed. And uh, I called my dad. I said, Dad, I think you've been ripped off. And my dad was so disappointed with that, so deeply wounded and disappointed, he never attempted anything else in his life. And after being in the Lord for some years, I thought about it. He says, you know, God, that's so unfair. That really belonged to my generation. My dad could have been a, a very wealthy man, maybe CEO of a big corporation. Maybe he would have been uh, the George Foreman instead of George Foreman. You, you understand my point? He, he might have been the spokesperson. Or I might have been the spokesperson. I could have sold that thing really nice. And, and you know, and my family could, rec could have received that inheritance. Thank God it stayed within the Christian family because George Foreman is a Christian and he's, he's a giver. He gives a lot to ministry. So I appreciate that, that it stayed at least within ministry. But that lean, mean George, uh, what, what I, grilling machine, we created it first. And then six months afterwards, the first prototype came out. And we had nothing to it. So I, I complained to God. But I didn't understand the law of restoration at that time. Uh, but now I understand that. So I said, thank you, Father, because even though we lost it in one way, I know you're going to restore it back to our, our um, family, our children, our grandchildren, our ministry. I know that's going to be restored some way, shape, or form. And in fact, you know, throughout the process of time, I've seen God's favor and tenderness restore everything to us. Really, I, I, I'm just, my, my cup is full. But I'm still looking for some stuff that belonged to my father's generation that he wanted to pass on to us. I'm still looking for some stuff. It needs to be restored because, see, a righteous man will take that stuff in his hands and he will transfer it into the kingdom of God so that people can receive ministry. You, you understand? So I, I'm grateful for this law in Scripture. How many of you feel you've lost stuff? Raise your hands. Amen. See, th listen, the room is filled with people that have lost things, but you really haven't lost it. You need to submit that to God. You need to say, God, I, I, I call that forth for my generation. I call that forth for my children. I call it forth for my grandchildren. I call it forth for my, my church family. Hallelujah. Amen. So in the coming days, I believe God's going to put a lot of pressure on you. See, because in order to be able to take it back, you have to have the wisdom of God. 
You have to become savvy. Because ideas come. But with ideas comes persecution. With ideas comes criticism. Whenever you get to that place, when you're about ready to take back the stuff, make no mistake, there's going to be a battle. Because the enemy doesn't just want to hand you back the stuff. He will fight you for it. But I thank God that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Somebody just missed a great place to say amen. To glorify God. See, there the greater one lives within you. You're not the weaker one. You have the greater one living within you. Hallelujah. That's so exciting. I'm going to jump at least once. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's exciting. See, I'm excited about that. I'm coming into a fight, but yet it's a fixed fight. My elder brother, Jesus, already rendered him powerless 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. So all he could do is throw shadows at you, throw lies at you. And this is the problem. We've been receiving the lie. You are the blessed of God. You are the provided for. You are the ones that have more than enough so that others can be provided to also through your life. And he's ready, from you to trans- he's ready for you to transition from the victim to the victor. And the victor meaning conqueror in scripture. Hallelujah. We need, we need to get busy in God. Some of you are sitting in, uh, uh, I'm talking about a mountain worth of ministry that must be processed through you. See, ministry will not happen unless it happens through human beings. We think things will happen by osmosis. We think all we need to do is pray and it will automatically just show up. No, when you pray, God positions you. He positions you and then he reinvigorates you in your faith. And then he goes, now go and I will be with you. Hallelujah. And we're waiting. Okay, God, I'm ready for the blessing. Excuse me, my daughter, my son, you are the blessing. (laughs) Go and I will be with you. Go and declare my truth to the nations. Go and declare my truth to your situation, to your home, to your children, to the marketplace. Go and share the word of the Lord. And I'll make things happen as you declare it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David, um, the king, before he was king, he had a, a miserable situation happen to him. They were out in war and they were winning the battle. They were taking town after town and just restoring it back to Israel. When they got back, all the wives, the children, all of their lands, everything had been taken from them. And you know what it is to come back from war and, have, and find that everything's lost? You win the battle and lose the war, so to speak? <laughs> His guys got so angry at him that they wanted to stone him. And so the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. But that was not an easy place because before he encouraged them before the Lord, the Bible says they cried bitterly until they had no more tears. Have you ever cried to the point where you have no more tears? So this was not a very easy scenario. It was a very painful, painful situation for all of them. They imagined all the children dead because they knew what the enemy would do to the families, uh, to the people. They would kill them, torture them. So this is what they were imagining. They imagined the, the worst. Sometimes our imag- imaginations are very powerful. And we imagine the worst. And by the time we get there, everything's fine. We go, oh, but meanwhile, you stressed yourself so bad. So he went before the Lord. He, says, uh, he said, Father, what should I do? And you know what God told him? He says, go and recover it all. 
So he went. He went, developed a strategy, got the guys together. Come on, guys. The Lord spoke. Let's go with the word of the Lord. We have his promise. So he went in there and did battle with the guys. Got back the wives. Got back the children. Got back their money. Got back their lands. And to top it off, then he got all of their stuff. He came back. They res- the Bible says in, in um, where's the First Samuel 30, if you read the chapter, they recovered all, and then they recovered so much spo- of the spoils. Spoils is you get what the, other, you know, what the enemy had. They recovered so much that he was able to hand it out to a lot of the, the communities. He had so much that he had to hand it out. Amen. So that's what God's saying to you today. You need to get back to the place where you need to get angry. And you need to get into your prayer place now. But not angry that you start cursing and angry that you say, whoa, whoa, hold on. Angry that you wake up. You say, whoa, hold on a second. This, this abuse has gone long enough. Aquí para. Stops right here. You, ever, you have ever done that? Hasta aquí. No more. <laughs> right, right? Dory knows what I'm talking about. When she gets like that, watch out. <laughs> Yeah, you, you know, you realize, so hold on a second. Here I am being nice and this. What? No, 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 no. I tell you, I, when I get like that, I enjoy it. Sometimes I need that. I need a little extra of that, that heat inside of me. And, and then I go back to the people and I let them have it. And everybody, they calm down. They back off. And then I say to myself, shucks, I should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> Praise God. But see, he recovered it all. You know why? God was for him. God was with him. And even in the process of the loss, God was saying, you're not going to lose because I'm there watching over your stuff and you're going to get it back. You lose this, I'm going to give it back to you hundredfold. You lose that, I'm going to get it back to you. He'll pay, have to pay back sevenfold, 50%, whatever it may be, 20%. I don't care. I want it back, but I, I also need to get some interest. So I'm looking for interest in the coming days. Yes, I know I have to fight for it, but praise God, we're in the middle of a fight and we're in the mood for fighting. Because we know it's not about us. It's about sharing with others. What would you do? Say to your neighbor, what would you do? Now, let me explain what is it that they're asking you to do. What would you do if suddenly you were handed a billion dollars? I see some smiles in the congregation. Two or three that were sleeping, they suddenly woke up and said, Oh, a million dollars? billion dollars? <laughs> what would you do if they suddenly gave you a billion dollars? Amen. Glory to God. And then we'll have a special celebration service. No, no. Serious. I, I, I say the same thing. But, you know, you, you pay the tithe. But what in the world could we do? How many people could we help? The average person out there says, oh, if I got that, ooh, I'll buy some cars. I'll buy me this. I'll buy, get me some girls. And the girls say, I'll get some guys. Whatever it may Stuff that here today, gone tomorrow. And in truth, those that have, in, especially in the early days when, when the lotto was like $5 million, $2 million, they go broke almost immediately. Within two years, they were broke. Worst off. Because we don't understand that it's not about having. It's about what do you do? Do you have a vision? Do you have a vision for a billion dollars? If, if God were to say right now, uh, uh, my son, uh, uh, hand my, my, my daughter or my son a billion dollars, go. Because he does that, you know. This, this is happening today. Sometimes God ha- sends his servants to hand churches buildings and finance. I have a friend of mine, gave him a building. An organization went to him, says, we like your ministry. Here's a building over here in the Bronx. Huge building with a school and everything. 
Here, yours, signed over. Bap, done. Boy, they were dancing that day. But you know what he's done with that building? He turned it into a church, community center, after school program, school, and about 20 other ministries within that particular building. Amen. Amen. That's right. What would we do? God is with us. He will restore us. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9, it says we, I'm sorry, verse 10, we are God's workmanship. We're created in Jesus Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And the good works have to do with turning temporal things into eternal opportunities for others. Let me give you a couple of examples. The woman with the alabaster jar, she had an alabaster jar. It, it was um, a jar full of nard. Uh, from what they were saying, it was worth maybe about a year's worth of say, uh, wages. She cracked it open, and then she starts taking uh, the nard and, and starts covering Jesus with it, his legs and whatever it may be. And, and Jesus received it. You know, she immediately got criticized by the disciples. And in particular, one guy that was eyeballing it said, whoa, that's expensive. I could make some money on that. Judas Iscariot secretly wanted it because he wanted it for his own pocket. He was a treasurer and he was stealing from the treasury. And when they criticized him, Jesus said, oh, excuse me, let it happen. She's preparing me for my burial. He received it. But yet, almost immediately, she got criticized for it. When you start doing things for Almighty God, when you start thinking eternally, people would immediately start calling you crazy, you're out of your mind, now they got you, what are you, a holy roller, whatever it may be, they'll start criticizing you. Oh yeah, there's a lot of choice names for God-fearing Christians who love the Lord and, and, and want to be able to think transgenerationally. In 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11, Paul himself, 11 and 12, he was persecuted for his good works. He shared that all who would live godly in Jesus Christ will be persecuted for their faith. See, we get afraid we'll never receive our restoration. We'll never receive that which belongs to us. It'll come, but it'll come with a fight. But don't back down from the fight. Uh-uh. Listen, everybody is going out there with their pet projects, and they're bold, man. People coming out there. Uh, right now, there's some Occupy Wall Street. You want to see bold people? I, I'm talking about bold, willing to do crazy stuff just to get a point across. Now, I'm not for or against. I'm not, I'm not uh, stating a position right here. All, uh, just to say some probably are legitimate, and some are, are, are raisin flakes and nuts. But beyond that, my point is, their willingness to go through these extremes, staying out there in the cold, beat drums all day long, paint their faces, do crazy stuff for a point. And yet you know that's not an eternal perspective. That's just here today, gone tomorrow. But what are we willing to do for the eternal? What are we willing to do? And guess what? We are anointed for it. We are anointed for it. Hallelujah. Bible says that persecution comes, but it will only last a little while. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a while, will himself restore you, and he will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be power forever and ever. Amen. This is from the NIV. Notice, you will suffer a while, but he himself will restore you. So say to your neighbor, he'll restore you. 
whatever the enemy took away, whatever the enemy took away, go ahead and say that. He will restore you. Amen. He will restore what the enemy has taken away from us. Where does persecution come from many times? Where, where do these criticisms come from? Well, they come from various places. They come from the saints. I want to state to you a, 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 a very interesting truth. That sometimes the worst criticisms you'll ever receive are right from, within the church. You have jealous saints. You have, I don't know what to call them without getting a little rowdy here. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I can preach this. Little people. Yeah, little people. You've got a little prosperity in me. Who does she think she is? Who does he think he is? Excuse me. If you prosper, I'm prospering. If you hit it big, I'm going to rejoice with you. Because if you did it, if God did it for you, God could do it for me too. Amen. Because the same anointing that's on you is the same anointing on me. He's not going to do it the same way for you as he does for me. Because I'm different. He may be unique. But still the way you prospered in your call, I can prosper in my call. And the Bible says when one rejoice, let all rejoice. When one is crying, let all cry. In other words, we suffer together, but we also rejoice together. So you, if you come into your larger place, I'm going to rejoice with you. I'm going to tap dance right alongside with you. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not going to get jealous about that. I'm, I'm going to rejoice. Amen. 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 What would we do if, if Trump comes to church this morning and becomes a member of Calvary? Man, he's coming with that silk suit. He think he's big stuff just because he's Trump. Excuse me, he worked hard for that. I'm not going to criticize for him. Amen. From time to time, I go to a church. Um, you know, I have a good friend of mine, very large church, and, and sometimes I, I worship, I'm worshiping the Lord, and right next to me is an actor or an actress or, or a basketball player. And they've learned, stop messing with these people. They, they, they love the Lord too. They need a place to worship. And sometimes, you know, since we idolize people, they'll come into the church and forget the message. person comes and goes, oh, look who's there. Wow, look who's there. And forget the worship. Hallelujah. Wow, look who's there. Wow. You want to switch seats? I want to sit next to him. Forget that. Let them worship the Lord. Amen. And be a blessing to them. One at the time we're praying and I'm, I'm holding hands. And suddenly I go, whoa, glory to God. Amen. Let's, let's continue praying. Because you know, I saw a person that, you know, see them on TV all the time. A big deal, a human being like me. They need God too. Many times they have a lot more pr pressure and stress than you and I do because they can't walk in the street wi without being thronged yeah. by people that want to rip their hair off. Yeah, right. Right. Oh yeah, people are crazy. If you become famous, you better watch out. You better watch around. You better walk around with ten guards. They'll rip your clothing off. Oh, I got the T-shirt. I got the T-shirt. Yeah, what's the matter with us? And we're the same way in the kingdom of God many times. We need to grow up. Say to your neighbor, grow up. You need to grow up. So we get persecution from saints. We get persecution also from ignorant people that don't know or understand the word of God. And I, I can understand that. If they're ignorant, they don't understand what God's word says. Fine, I, I can take that. But you also have persecution comes from the devil legitimately. The enemy will ra raise up persecution against you. So we need to protect some stuff. Number one, we need to pr protect our thought process. 
We need to protect our thinking. Don't, al don't allow anything in our mind that's going to take us away from the call of God. Amen. Because in our thoughts is our future. Amen. In our thoughts is our destiny. The way we think, we will go. And, and, and many times the enemy tries to get you to that place where you get nervous and now you get away from your, your focus. You get away from what God has called you to do and now you're in a mess. Because you're no longer in faith. The other thing we need to protect are our choices. Whenever we're going to make a choice for God, you're going to receive persecution on it. Remember when Jesus first started his ministry? What was the first thing that the Holy Spirit sent him to do? The desert. Uh, the, desert. the desert. He didn't send him to go eat des a dessert. He sent him to a real live desert. What did he do in the desert? fasted for 40 days and he was tempted or tested of the devil what did the devil do try to take him away from his calling you think you're you, you think you're different you you think you think that's different levels of devils the enemy came after him the enemy will come after you what what did what did jesus do he stood on the word he said get thee behind me the word states this Amen. and if you do the same the enemy has to get thee behind you Hallelujah. So get more of the word in you. Yes. If somebody stubs your toe, what comes out? Is it glory to God? Or is it a foot in the? <laughs> to, we, need, we need to get to the place that when they poke us, out comes the word of God. I put myself in a very bad position in high school. Very bad position. And, and I was so embarrassed afterwards. I had to walk away from it. But I was, oh, I was very embarrassed. Because they knew I was a Christian. They called me the preacher. And one guy just, he just, all picking on everybody, picking on everybody. And so one day, I'm, I'm going to go to a class. And the guy just pushes me against the door, slams me against the door. So in that moment, I turned around. It wasn't a footnote. I just looked at myself, man, if I wasn't a Christian, I would have. Then I caught myself. <laughs> I would have. And I just caught myself. Because I was about ready to let him know what I would have done if I wasn't a Christian, right? You know? <laughs> so he said, what, what, you cook, what, what? And you know, of course in school, it's just the same way they show on TV. A whole group. Yeah, go ahead, come on, man, go on it. I'm looking at the people, man. And I got two voices. And suddenly a little devil says here, and a little angel says right here. He said, go get him, go get him, go get him. He said, you better watch out, your testimony. I mean, just they were talking to me. Woo, 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 woo. Man, let me tell you. But I realized this. I blew it. I have to eat this one. So I walked away. Why, why, you walk away, you chicken. Why, why, why? I said, oh, oh, I'm in pain. But thank God, you know, I, I, I was able to, because <laughs> the only other alternative was knock that guy's teeth out. It wouldn't have been the right thing to do. It wouldn't have been a good testimony for me. Because I'm here, I'm preaching to them. They know I'm the preacher. What would have been my name after that? I don't know. But I was able to continue. It was 10th grade, and the other two years, they still knew me as a preacher. And out of that, I got some respect. But let me tell you, the enemy will chide you. He'll pick on you. He'll try. He knows the area where you're weak at. Because he's a master at human behavior because yes. he knows us for 7,000 years. Yes. So he'll pick at you, not in your strong point. He'll pick at you at your weak point. Amen. 
In the Old Testament, God was very angry at the nations that would pick off Israel in the, in the back lines, pick off the elderly and the weak. And God dealt with those nations because they would pick on the weak ones. It's the same today. The enemy will come at you at your weak points. So what do you do? You pray. You ask God to strengthen you. You ask God to give you discernment. If you know there's a hole in front of you, you're not going to walk into the hole, right? So ask God to give you wisdom, understanding, and insight, and discernment so you can see what's coming around the bend. And he'll give it to you. Hallelujah. Then he'll give you wisdom as to how to handle situations and circumstances. The fourth thing is our daily actions and reactions. And that's what I have been talking to you about. Because those are the ones that build your future, your destiny, and your legacy. So I have good news for you. Say, say, to, say to your neighbor, good news. good news. Amen. Gospel is good news. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 says, So Jesus answered, and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, who shall now receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life eternal. See, so he deals with the now. So you're going to get back some of that stuff now in this lifetime and then also life eternal. So God covers both areas. So say to your neighbor, there's some stuff I need to get restored now. See, and God has no problem restoring that, but his greater thing is restoring your legacy and your future and your destiny and your relationship with him. So we need to learn to handle persecution. Because persecution many times actually is the doorway to your hundredfold. That's the place of your promotion. Because people are watching you at your work while you're going through the hard place. And they're seeing if you could take pressure. If you could take pressure, they, say, mm. they won't tell you anything, but they're watching. And that's the problem with most people. They can't take pressure. In the kingdom, you get a little, uh, you know, the enemy sends at you a, a, small, a small persecution. And that's it, man. You're ready to give it up. No, 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 no. That's when you got to take a walk and worship God a while. Or maybe he sends you a medium-sized persecution. Some of you are receiving an adult-sized persecution. But even there, take a walk. Go to your prayer closet. Worship the Lord. Amen. I practice something now that helps me out. And that is I try not to say anything when I get to that place where my blood boils for at least 10 to 15 seconds. Or maybe a minute. And I try to think, what's, what's going to happen here? What's the worst case scenario? And I'll try to measure it. If the worst case scenario is going to hurt too many people, I'll hold back and say, okay, I'm not going to give a response right now. I might have to give a more moderated uh, um, discussion or answer or explanation or reaction. Something that can help the scenario. See, if I just blow it, if I just say it, that's it, gone. I blew it. When I was younger, many times I would talk, then I would think. See, I'm glad none of you do that here in this church. I, I, I'm, I'm so proud of you because none of you do that. You think, you speak in tongues, and then you respond, you know, like Holy Spirit-filled, you know, warriors, right? But in my case, I would blow it many times. Because as soon as I got it, you know, the blood boils. Anybody, that ever happens to anybody here? Your, your blood boils, right? Me and Julio understand that. The rest of you, you're lying. The altar's open right now. Yeah, but it gets to the point where you, <laughs> it just wants to blurt out, right? No, that's the time you have to be very careful. Because what we speak, the Bible says, in our mouth, 
We have the power of life and death. So we have to be careful when we speak. The Bible says you can get angry and sin not. I got no amens on that one. No, man, I'll sin now and I'll repent later. No, no, it's better that you sin not. Because the problem is sometimes you say a word and even though you take back the word, too late. You know, we say if we, we put a hundred nails in the wall right now, we don't like it, eh, take out the nails, no problem. Yeah, but there's still a hundred holes. You, you, there's scars, people. So we have to be careful what we say because once we say it, it'll leave a scar. So it's better don't say it. Or it's better think about what you're going to say. Uh, allow the Spirit of God to give you wisdom and then say it seasoned with wisdom. Amen. I said something good. Somebody, somebody should say amen on that one. That, that was good stuff. <laughs> Praise God. If you can't handle persecution, harassment, people lying, you, betrayal, jealousy. If you can't handle this, you'll never be able to apprehend God's left, uh, best in your life. You've got to understand it's going to come your way. Hallelujah. So as you determine to stand up to that very thing that has been causing you to run away from God's best in times past, it will carve out a doorway to the hundredfold restoration that you have been waiting for in your life. Anybody here ever had a Goliath-sized trial? Nobody? Oh, we're in good shape. Oh, very, very. Okay, amen. A couple of you. The others are just ashamed. No, I'm just showing. I'm so shy. No, a Goliath-sized temptation. A Goliath-sized trial. We all experience them from time to time. But yet David, before Goliath, was who? That's who David was. Who? Yeah, David, David, the, the, the shepherd boy. Who? Who's that? Nobody knows David. Who's David? But after he overcame Goliath, after he put down Goliath, he was David, the mighty man of war. To the point where, when he would march back into town with the king, when the king came first, the ladies would dance and rejoice and said, Saul killed his thousands. And then David behind him would come in, oh, but David is killing his tens of thousands. It got so bad that the king tried to kill him over and over again. Because the king got jealous. Because he was getting more accolades than the king himself. But before Goliath, he was David who? See, some of you don't understand. God needs to put you in a, in a tight place because that's the doorway to your promotion. That's the doorway for you to be able to receive greater things from God. Because God will always present a feast to you, the feasting table, always in the presence of enemies. David had that revelation. He realized it. He says, you present the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Feasting places in the presence. He does not want to do it behind people's back. He wants to boast through you. He wants to show the world what he can do. He's, her? Him? Serious? Yeah, that's right. She stood the test. He stood the test. Now look at them in their expanded place, in their more authoritative place, in their large place. Why? Because they stood the test. While they were going through it, nobody cared. While they were going through it, people said, ah, I'll never make it. Ah, nobody. But now you got people talking about you. You know, the more people are criticizing you, means the more influence you have. The more impact you're making, I don't you want to criticize me all you want. That, all that means is that I'm in a higher place right now. 
When you're the person that they're criticizing, that means you've reached a place of authority. That means you've reached a place of influence. That means you're in a place where others want to be but can't be because they failed their tests in the past. And all they do is back chair criticize. I often talk to some of my football buddies who are sitting down watching football or baseball. Really? You struck out? Why? You missed that ball? Why? Come on. What a chump. Ah, he's no good. And I look at him and says, and you're in a rocking chair, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, that guy's making like $100 million like every six months. <laughs> yeah, right. Who's in the better place? Hallelujah. Amen. And then here's another powerful encouragement. Jesus takes note of those that attack you and persecute you, and he takes it personally. In Acts chapter 9, verse 3, as one journey to Damascus, suddenly a light, actually it was Saul of Tarsus. As Saul of Tarsus journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And that was Jesus talking to him. And Saul said, who are you, Lord? He said, the Lord said to him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus. Saul was persecuting Jesus' people. But Jesus responded and saying, why are you persecuting me? See, when somebody talks about you, they're talking about Jesus. When somebody criticizes you, they're criticizing Jesus. When somebody's trying to knock you down, they're trying to knock down Jesus. Ha! Not going to get very far. <laughs> In Luke 17, it says, he said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come. Because he knows people, that's why. And he says, but woe to him through whom they come. So whoever messes with you has to deal with with your elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. So somebody's talking against you and you come to me and say, Pastor, you don't understand, they criticize me. I say, oh, oh man, that person better watch out. That person's just, they're ready to fight Jesus. Because Jesus will take it personally. So know that truth today. Catch it in your spirit, man. If you have people criticizing you, don't worry about it. Actually, I would pray for them. Say, Lord, I pray for your tender mercies to be upon them. Don't be too hard on them when you decide to catch up with them. Hallelujah. Jesus delivers you from all your afflictions. Yes, we'll go through afflictions. Yes, we'll go through hard times. Yes, we'll have to battle the enemy. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Walk in this truth from time to time. So in conclusion, 1 John 5, verse 4. For everyone that is born of God overcomes the world. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say most. It says everyone that is born of God will overcome the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So do you believe in Him? Do you trust in Him? Is He your Lord and Savior? Well, guess what? You have already overcome the world because He already overcame the world. So that authority gets passed on to you right now. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For since we were restored or reconciled to friendship with God by the death of His Son, while we were still yet as enemies or sinners, another version will say, we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by His life. 
So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends of God. Wow. Amen. Are you overcomers today? Amen. Some of you said yes. Others are looking at me with glassy eyes. Are you overcomers today? Yes. See, it doesn't make a difference whether you're there yet or not. You are already an overcomer. See, it's just, it, the, the process is just in manifestation. But the enemy will have to give you back everything he stole. Everything he took from you. Everything he took from your family. Everything he took from your legacy, from your future, from your inheritance. He has to restore it. And he'll have to restore it with interest. Because the law of restoration demands it. And I'm looking forward. That's how I'm, dis I'm excited in my walk with God. Even though I go through difficult times. Even though I go through trials and tribulations. I know that's my access port into the hundredfold. I know that I have a great inheritance. Not only for my generation. But for future generations. And I'm thanking God for this church because we also have an inheritance as a church. We've been through the fight. We've been through the fire. We've been through, glory to God, hard times, difficult times. But thank God that behind that, or rather after that, comes the victory, comes the harvest. Praise the Lord. Comes a hundredfold. Hallelujah. And I'm going to praise him. I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to worship him because I see the bigger picture. Because I see the more eternal picture. I'm not fighting just for today. I'm fighting for a legacy. I'm not just fighting for a week. I'm fighting for eternity. I'm fighting for people's eternity. So even though I might not see it today, it's okay. Because I already see it in my mind's eye. I already see it by the eyes of faith. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm headed. I know what he has for me. Amen. I know what he's going to do through me. I might not know how much he's going to do. Because he always, buy, he, always, he, he always surprises you and does more than what you think. Actually, it says he takes it far beyond and above whatever we can ask or think. So if you can think it or ask it, he's already pl planning to do much more than what you're thinking or what you're asking. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So I'm excited. Yeah, but it's difficult times. Yeah, but God will bless in feast and God will bless in famine. God will bless you in the, in, the, in the quiet time. He'll bless you in war time. He'll bless you in the difficult time. He'll bless you in the time of persecution. He will bless you because he's a God that blesses. He's a God that restores. He is the God of restoration. <laughs>